And welcome to Epic Loot Radio. Brian and Joyful Arcade, aka Mark, are here with you guys today. There's a lot to talk about. We've got console sale numbers, discussions. You've done a little financial research on some of the, the numbers and the growth year over year. Uh, this is, I think, going to be a fun little conversation because it's always been a question that has boggled my mind, being that the PS2 is still the premiere. And I get the DVD argument. I get that because I bought it not just for gaming, but I've that was my first DVD player, but we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what we're playing. We're going to talk about the Game of the Year nominations, kind of our thoughts overall, what we think maybe should have been nominated, and all this stuff and more. I think that's going to be what you get in today's show. Mark, how are you? What are you playing? What's going on with your life, bud? Well, hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm great. Life is busy. I mentioned earlier, my wife, we're going to be having our baby in 11 weeks now. Mm. So that's awesome. Uh, work is solid and going strong. Uh, so, you know, what am I playing right now? My life consists of, uh, helping my wife get comfortable at night as she struggles with the pains of pregnancy. And then after she passes out, I've been picking up my switch and playing uh, star ocean second story R. how is that? Uh, it's, it's great. So I've never played a star ocean game before. Okay. And I was really attracted to when they announced it on a, I think a switch direct a couple months ago, or maybe half a year ago now. And it it's apparently a pretty beloved franchise it's been going for decades now uh, the remake itself is done fantastic it's it looks beautiful but the story and writing is what i find most impressive i'm not one to really get into an rpg just for the writing okay but uh i, I would tell you this it, it has strong star trek vibes which really yeah. surprised me um like very epic story in that sense but at the same time it manages to still feel small and cozy as well so combine that with it's not turn-based action. It's more of like a Tales of Arise type of mm -hmm. action yeah. system. Um, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Like the story has me interested. And the few times my wife's heard me playing it, she's like, what is that? What are you? Because she can, the voice acting's done really well. So it's it's been going good. That actually is one of the things that I wasn't aware of because like this has been on my radar. But when I start looking at my personal backlog of which right now I'm trying to uh, finish Final Fantasy 16. So I, I finished Starfield. I put my review up for Starfield. And then I was like, okay, what's my next single player game? And the temptation was like, go play Spider-Man or go play uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Brian. You haven't done those yet. And I'm like, I don't need more unfinished games in my life. But second, yep. uh, it's like, actually, I've, I've played many of the Star Ocean series okay. back on the PlayStation as well. So the fact that you're, uh, you know, giving me that education that it's, uh, yes, it's uh, voice acted as well. That yeah. that has me honestly very excited because it's like, as I, and as actually honestly YouTube and, and kind of my schedule as a dad, you know, uh, is uh, fluctuating. I've been able to do like these one hour, like lunchtime streams uh, on occasion during the week. And then it's like, oh, I'm actually like making progress through these games. There is a, there is a future in which that, yes, I will be able to play Elden Ring and finish it. I will be able to play Second Story, uh, you know, Star Ocean Second Story R, and be able to actually finish it, which I think it would be worth my time. Uh, yeah, Octopath Traveler. Like, there's, like, I it, it's weird. I always, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but it's like, I the games that I'm most attracted to and enjoy are the ones that are like, yeah, you need more time and you have nothing to get. <laughs> so you're going to just 
constantly like be way behind the eight ball. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I still want to finish Xenoblade Chronicles because oh, I've heard yes. such great things about the story and how it finally pays off in Xenoblade 3's DLC. And it's just like, I'd love to do that. But that's that's hundreds of hours of gameplay. Um, I I tend to stick with the games I know I can complete. So I just finished Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yeah. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, I went hard on at first. And then yeah. I took a little bit of a break and I finished that and well worth it. But yeah, I have that same problem. Like I, I also started playing Robocop Rogue City. Okay. Which, if you're a fan of the Robocop movies, it captures that original essence perfectly in terms of just the comedy and satire. But also you feel like Robocop. Uh, one of the best slow motion punch actions I've ever had in a game. It's brutal. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's impressive. Like this is actually bigger than I thought. I thought it'd be level by level, but it's an open world RPG. There's RPG mechanics. You could be Robocop just helping people file police cases mm -hmm. and everything you do in terms of how you respond has an impact on your stats. So that's a game I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe I'll do that over winter break. That might be a fantasy um you know maybe when the baby comes that's definitely a fantasy so well, the thing um, about babies is uh they especially like a lot of people worry about it but it's it really isn't until they start walking around that you yeah. really like there's certain things you do but it's like you need to feed them change them spend a you know play with them a little bit but they're gonna sleep ideally a lot like that's the hope <laughs> it's like because uh, otherwise you're going to be very tired and, and nothing will happen. <laughs> we won't see you on the podcast for a couple of couple of months at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I've had a lot of experience with my nephews and nieces where I know that's the case. But yeah, so you know, come come February, March, maybe maybe I'll get a lot more gaming in as I take a little bit off work just to uh, you know paternity leave. So, but yeah, uh, you know, diapers I can handle. I've been doing that for a long time. So <laughs> there you go, man. All right. So outside of uh, that and what you're playing, um, let's. Let's shift into the uh, kind of the console sales because yeah. uh, this is something that's just been very uh, interesting to me because we've seen, I think, exponential growth in terms of what it means to be a gamer, right? Mobile gaming has played a huge role in getting more people playing video games and the development of mobile, especially when you start seeing things like the iPhone 15 uh, being able to run like Resident Evil 4 Remake. You're like, okay, like they're these things are in a way like really competitive uh, for people's time. And I think that's really what all this is, is competition for time. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to it, like the numbers people kind of spout are like there are 3 billion gamers worldwide. You have emerging markets like India, China, that not necessarily all have this history of consoles personally. But then when you go look at the numbers, it's like, well, if there are 3 billion gamers in the world, why haven't we seen something top the PS2? And so you've done some research into it. What have you found? What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great point to say it's about time because it really is a competition for how we choose to spend our leisure time with, with entertainment, whether it's gaming or watching you know, movies or TV shows. So you mentioned that on Twitter and I was like, that is a good question. I had some ideas and I, I just dug in initially very briefly on consoles sales between the fifth generation and the eighth generation, which again, there's reasons to argue if that's the best way to do it, but this is the cleanest way to compartmentalize this data. So fifth generations, PlayStation 1, N64, Saturn, Saturn, Jaguar, and 3DO. Eighth generations, Wii U, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. But, you know, the Wii U was kind of a failure. So, um, and then the ninth Get generation, it here. <laughs> it's, it's just not done yet. You know, 
So it's it's hard to really look at that as anything for this conversation. But what I would say between the fifth and eighth generation, there was a growth rate of 119% in total consoles sold. So the biggest mark, though, is that PS2 generation. Going from the fifth generation, again, PS1 to six, PS2, there was a 43% jump growth in terms of consoles sold. And there were less consoles on the market between those generations, right? Yeah. Jaguar and 3DO, Saturn, gone. Dreamcast didn't last long. Um, and I, I think that giant boost there is because of DVDs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. PlayStation 2 was sold at such a reasonable price. You were able to go and say, hey, it's not just for gaming. Families can get this to watch a lot of movies. And between that and the seventh generation, there was still an increase, but it was by 30%. So a little bit less. And then to the eighth generation, it dropped to an 18% increase. So it's still growing, growing. but it's slowing down still, right? Mm -hmm. And my only factor that I could think of there is this is the implementation of internet and digital technologies, right? Okay. People are now streaming on their phones. People are now streaming on their televisions or their computers. They're now watching, you know, they're not using physical media anymore. And gaming transformed as well, right? PC gaming took off tremendously with the yeah. advent of Steam. Um, mobile gaming took off. So that consumer gamer that was huge for a lot of those earlier generations, it's growing, but they're not just playing via consoles. So I don't know. I, I To me, I see this, and I think it matters a lot with what you say all the time, too, about cloud gaming, right? Cloud yeah. gaming isn't the future for everyone. Consoles are still growing, but that rate is slowing down compared to how big gaming is getting everywhere else. And I just saw Samsung now is introducing a, a, a cloud gaming uh, service, too, so where mm -hmm. you can play console games without the consoles now through Samsung. I haven't looked yeah. into it. Um, but it, it's it's just an interesting phenomenon. I, I would have to spend a lot of time looking into the data harder to say, hey, here's exactly what happened. But I do think it is that change in how we consume entertainment media. It's it's no longer physical. It's now digital. And it's now it's now everywhere. Yeah, because maybe you haven't even seen like breaking news really over the last month has been like Walmart is announced like we're going to stop physical sales of video games. Best Buy announced that we're going to stop physical sales of video games. And so more and more, the physical sales of video games have been lessened. And that also starts to set up the question is that will the next generation, which we would hypothetically assume it starts in 2028 based off of the Microsoft document leaks, yeah. uh, if it starts in 2028, is that an all digital uh, like, you know, uh, generation, is it like, yep, physical media may like, or do they come out with a, like an attachment, like a disc drive attachment for the, you know, the, and then how, imagine how awful that would be though. If stores aren't selling physical media, you either have to go to the like really niche stores to be yep. able to get it. Will that end up converting, uh, the, the, the remaining holdouts on physical media or will they live up to their threats of, if that happens, I'm never playing video games again. What do you think? Ah, I mean, as much as people say that, it's not going to happen. They're not. They're going to keep buying games, right? I mean, it. It is. It is. It's a hobby. Um, for some people, it might be close to an addiction, and because of that, it's just. <laughs> it's just not going to stop. And I'm He's a talking big, to me. This is an intervention. <laughs> it's me too. You, I, I buy physical games all the time. That I look at, I'm like, I might not play that. Um, and digital games is so appealing because it's like I don't have to get off my couch to to put a new disc in too. So it is interesting. Even, even some of the rumors around the next Nintendo console was there was speculation that, Hey, there might be a physical and a digital version only as well, which really surprises me. But Nintendo's always a few generations behind in terms of taking certain types of leaps and how they present their consoles. And mm -hmm. 
if they're considering it possibly, that is maybe a real sign of, of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, though, like I remember even on the Xbox One, really shifting into that all yeah. digital purchasing of the games. And that just carried easily into the Xbox Series generation because Microsoft had this backwards compatibility uh, that that respect in and of itself says, great, I'm going to keep going. Uh, do you think the Switch 2 will follow suit and respect people's digital libraries? Or will Nintendo be Nintendo and just say, screw you all. You've got to you've got to like, nope, this is Switch 2 forward. I I would even and this is going to be horrible. And I know the Internet will hate me for this thought is that like. I would even because it's Nintendo and I'm such a fanboy <laughs> for that company and and it's it's a love hate relationship that I have with myself and Nintendo but I would even be like all right just charge me a fee to have to unlock this game on the Switch 2 operating system but if they do not give me a way to play my Switch games that I think will break me you know that yeah. will be like a real big hurt what do you think it would it would hurt me too, and I'm I'm a big Nintendo fan as well, just in terms of their approach to design and their philosophy about games. Um, so I've I've read a lot about this, and I think some important things to consider is you know Phil Spencer said we lost the worst generation to lose with that Xbox One PS4 generation because yes. people built their digital libraries then, and that digital library isn't something you could physically carry over or go back to really unless you keep that console on. So. PS4 going to PS5, people people were going to be a little bit more loyal to that. But if you were an Xbox guy, you're going to be more loyal to the Series X, Series S. Nintendo, in terms of a core competency, their strength wasn't ever really in internet or account administrative technologies. They were a gaming company. They were a toy company. Mm-hmm. And I know the current president of North America has confirmed that, hey, what we've now done with the Switch, we've gotten rid of all the Nintendo IDs that was on the Wii, the Wii U, the 3DS and all that. We now have a standardized account platform we plan on carrying over. To me, that says, hey, they're looking at the 1 billion plus software units sold on the Switch, which is the most ever for a Nintendo console. Yeah. And they're saying, this oh. is an easy win for us to just allow you to bring it over. Now, if you have the account system in place, that tells me that that's part of it. The next part is backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. And if they still go with the NVIDIA system on a chip, but it seems like they are, there's a couple ways they could do it. They could emulate with that new chip in ways, or they could take the original Switch chip like they've done in past backwards compatible systems and just place that in the new Switch as well to give a more natural way to play it. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but my my money would be that there is going to be some type of backwards compatibility support depending on what the new console itself can do, right? Joy-Cons, you know, there's not even full support across the Switch units. If you have a Switch Lite, there's certain main Switch games you can't play just because there's no Joy-Cons, right? Mm-hmm. So there might be some natural caveats to that, but I honestly, I'll say this, I think Nintendo w- would be very, very stupid to not to not have backwards compatibility on, on what they've done with the Switch. Yes. Oh, it would be, it would hurt me <laughs> so deeply uh, because then all of a sudden it's like, now I have to have, because uh, that's always the thing that annoyed me about any kind of console uh, generation uh, shift was, okay, well, I got to maintain this because my friends are all over here and that is a whole new friends list. And I thought, I thought Xbox handled the transition to this generation the best, but PlayStation had had you know had the victory from PS4 carrying mm. that easily into and kind of being able to flex that into this uh into this generation. Um, what do you think then 
just about kind of what we've seen with the Switch 2 rumors so far. Like, do you feel like this is going to, like, the thing I want to see from Nintendo, I guess to answer my own question, because we were talking about cloud earlier, and then yeah. I want to jump into some of the comments that I see uh, popping up here on, on in chat. One of the things I would love, love, love to see is a cloud edition of Switch where I can just like fire up a browser, fire up my Switch game, and and that's it. Like there's no extra, there's no extra step. And I would be happy to even pay for that kind of service as a part of the Nintendo online. But I don't think Nintendo has that within them technologically. And so there yeah. would have to be a partnership that you would have to see. And Doug Bowser, president of Especially America, talks about how they really view Microsoft as a partner. Like yeah. What are your thoughts going in? Because the next year, next couple of years are going to be crazy. I, I think you're right. Nintendo would possibly be interested in doing something like that, but they also like to have control about how that experience is delivered since they have such a high standard on quality. Mm. Now, the great thing is, is that existing partnership with Microsoft has showed some weird, you know, um, compatibility with like Xbox points, Xbox achievements, excuse me. Like I was playing Minecraft Dungeons on my Switch. And I was getting Xbox achievements that popped up when I logged into my Xbox, which was really cool. So they're definitely open to exploring that. That was kind of Microsoft going to Nintendo versus Nintendo going to Microsoft. The other thing that I find interesting is with the new news about this live action Zelda film is they're going 50-50 with Sony on that. Sony's yeah. financing at 50%. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to lead to any things with Sony, but it, it at least opens the door to potential conversations, depending on how that partnership goes as well. Um, Nintendo would love to give you a low affordable version of any console they put out, right? Um, do they fully embrace cloud? Maybe, right? Japan, uh, Asia Pacific markets, they're a lot more ahead of the game with 5G networks and all of that too. Um, so it could be something they see as, you know, to, something to explore if, with not the next generation, but maybe the generation after. Uh, but I, I do think you're right. Those, 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 those aren't their strengths, right? They, mm -hmm. they would need help from a Microsoft or a Sony for sure. So Nevi Lingachat says live action Zelda film has them wary. I was surprised by the live action announcement too. I was thinking animated in the style of Mario. And I think, cause that would be, I, I was like, I, I'm all about that. What are your thoughts? I'm the same way. I love Zelda. It's it's my favorite franchise, and we're obviously going to have a conversation about Tears of the Kingdom here in a little bit, too. I was just as weary, but I'm also trying to be charitable, right? They they care about this property. Nintendo doesn't want to drop the ball. Um, there's some interesting names associated to it. I think one of the writers uh, did... I don't know if it was... May, uh, the director did Maze Runner and the Planet of the Apes movies, one or the other. Um, so there's there's some potential talent behind it. I personally think I would be wary about any Zelda movie unless it was being done by Studio Ghibli or Martin Scorsese. Like, unless, <laughs> if it wasn't one of those names, I would yeah. have the same sense of fear that I have right now for what could happen here. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine it, what this could be, right? How do you do a live-action Zelda film? I mean, in your right. mind, what do you think they would have to do to make that work? Oh, it's going to have to be, like, like you don't go, you don't want to go gritty, you know, yeah. but... I think the special effects budget is going to have to be absolutely absurd. Like, obviously, like the characters are humanoid, so you're not going to have to sit here and do too much about that. But there's obviously some weird, you know, yeah. designs and characters that they could put in. And I think you have to lean into, in a way, I, I like if they could go into it as a kind of a Lord of the Rings kind of style, uh, you know, with that kind of epic adventure. Uh, you know, grounded in like, okay, these are real actors, but obviously in a fantasy world, if you yeah. if they go in that direction, I think that could that could that could work out really well, especially not just for one movie, but for 
you know, creating a, a movie franchise, uh, yeah. you know, that is, that is, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, everybody under the sun will go probably see it. The, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious too. Do you think they'd try to adapt a certain story from a game? And if so, what, what game do you think they would, would be most easy to adapt for that initial film? Or kind of time would be the only, like, is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless they want to do like Wind Waker and be like, lots of sailing. <laughs> lots but even of then, sailing. Wind Waker has such a specific art, right? It, yeah. It almost, yeah. You know, it, it'd be interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll, I'll stand that way until it comes out. You think so. Chris Pratt's going to be the voice of Link? I don't know, man. He gets, eh, no, I, I don't think so. He's too busy with Garfield now, it seems like, and probably Mario. I um Sony being attached to it, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Tom Holland was Link, just because. Ooh, yeah, that's a great idea. The showrunners have a lot of you know, a lot of experience with Tom Holland, and who knows? But I could see him being a Link. Yeah, I think that could work out too for sure. So on that note, though, like I want to jump into a couple of the comments that we've seen as a part of what we talked about, and then we'll let's get into the game of yeah. your nominations. Uh, I like the name here: generic middle-aged white guy playing games. Man, he could describe us both. <laughs> like he all he's all he's missing from his name is uh who also wear has a beard. Yep. Uh, says, sorry I'm late. I hope I didn't miss too much. Mobile has been uh money. Netflix games is super weird. Netflix has been stepping into yep. uh gaming. We're seeing actually even with game streaming. Yep. Uh, we talked about like Samsung stepping into game streaming and cloud streaming. Uh, it is it's going to be like a, a competition of services rather than hardware going forward what do you think yeah i, I saw they're bringing maybe hades here soon now too mm -hmm. so th there's two sides to it right as one person enters the market like a netflix or maybe even an amazon prime which amazon definitely has more strengths to do something like this other people are going to want to compete netflix has such loyalty where i could see them having some success but i don't i don't know if it's long term right um because to me, I'm, I'm never going to probably go to Netflix to game there unless there was something that was exclusive there that was extremely, extremely revolutionary, right? Um, but again, I just think it's a testament to what you've said that, hey, we're getting away from the consoles in terms of gaming. There's going to be more and more cloud gaming, more and more mm -hmm. internet gaming, games in more places, uh, which I, I probably will be a little bit confusing at first, but eventually will shake out and there'll be some consistent leaders in those spaces. Excellent. Excellent. And then uh, generic goes on to say physical games are usually now a code in the box anyway, especially for PC games, rip owning video games. Uh, this is back to the fact that, you know, companies are moving out of that, that physical, like, do you think that they'll still have sections for video games that are just selling you the code? I think a lot of games and a lot of game makers want to go that way. Was it God of War Ragnarok that leaked a little bit early ahead of Street Date? And I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Forget, who's I the, think it's a lot of these games, they kind of leak out early and a couple of content creators get a hold of them. And then there's a whole thing on, on the Internet going like, watch out for spoilers. The game's out. Yeah. And because of that reason alone, I forget the director's name for God of War Ragnarok. He's well known. Um, but I remember him even tweeting something like, you know, I don't like this idea, but this is one of the reasons why just putting a download code in a box or just a disc that is just an activation key mm. is enticing because yeah. you can avoid a lot of this. And from a game creator perspective, I get that you want to have control about how people experience your creation a certain way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it can happen for sure, unfortunately, but that does beg the question. What happens to all your discs then once, once, you know, the internet ends or, you know, are you going to be able to game <laughs> when there's no more power? I don't know. I don't know. 
All right. Uh, Bollock says, I've been buying games on Steam for years now, and I have way more than I actually played. What bothers me, though, is that Steam could just fold up uh, shop and taking all of their games with them. I do think the probability of that would be very, very low because any Microsoft, Amazon, Sony, like any big company would be like, oh, Steam's closing down. Well, here's the check. And now it's not uh, because of the, uh, you know, just the volume of, of people and games that are there. But what do you think about especially game preservation when we talk about an all digital and cloud world? Yeah, it becomes harder, right? If you don't have a physical way to just always access something and turn it on, then you're dependent on a lot of other service providers to always be there. And just realistically how history goes, that's not going to be the case, right? So Steam is extremely successful. They have tons of money and capital. I can't see them failing on their own. But yeah, it's it's a legitimate concern about what ownership actually means in general in today's world. I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on that as well? So it is a tough... Uh it's a, it's a line of trust right because like i yeah. i trust that you know microsoft isn't going to like become an evil you know and say hey we're going to start you know like oh you got to you now that that license is only a a 30 year license and then you, if you want to keep your game um i i do think that there is that uh and i i'm more concerned for like online games yeah. uh, you know obviously i just started stepping into uh, star citizen and i think the experience with that game is like yes this is an online game if the servers were to go offline, Wayfinder right now finds itself, I think, in a little bit of trouble because Digital Foundry, or not Digital Foundry, uh, like I forget their their funding uh, publisher, like had to do a lot of layoffs that's been going throughout the industry and they've been impacted by it. So it's like, wait a minute, this is an online game. I, I'm not so worried about like Steam or Xbox or like these single player games. It's the, it's the games that do require uh, a server to be able to be played, even if you're cloud streaming it and they, you know, like you still have to, physically fund that uh that server and so that's where i i fall into that concern more than uh than than any kind of single player or like you know purchasing a digital license yeah and we've seen certain fans of games that have gone that route or have been and gone and created their own server right mm -hmm. uh the question is is there there's legal aspects around that too so yeah. it's one of those things where i know some companies are more ready to jump on a legal lawsuit about that but but i do wonder if there needs to be a situation where you could say legally speaking hey you're no longer supporting this product you're no longer you might own the ip but there still needs to be some type of right that these people who bought the game from you have yeah. a way to play it on their own if necessary mm -hmm. uh maybe it gets there as games as a service increases as gaming continues to be a more and more important factor in just the economy in general as it grows and grows um, but right now that's that's definitely a tough point like imagine a world without Fortnite. i can't but there's going to be a day and age possibility where, yeah yeah yeah, and people are going to want to still play that. So, and that's and, and you can't rely on the like altruism of uh, gaming communities to support it with private servers, which ends up being kind of the process right now. I've even seen people working to to recreate. Uh, why uh, why am I drawing a blank? Um, it's a it's an old MMO. Uh, it ended up closing. It was released recently. Uh, I'm thinking like my mind just keeps going to Wayfinder, but um, man, oh my gosh, something set in the stars. It's kind of like based off the WoW team. If anybody in chat can assist here, it's like, yeah, good sure lord, yeah, I failed. Like, I was like, why? I'm, a, and that's that's probably part of the problem. Um, <laughs> in this case, all right, uh, to, uh, back to the comments regarding uh, Zelda. Uh, Zoela says, I think Twilight Princess would be a good choice. Nevelink agrees for the story theme. Do you, what do you think about Twilight Princess as being the theme for the for the movie? 
I think it could work. It's a dark story in ways, but it's very grand. And I know Twilight Princess also went for that very realistic approach to its art. So I think they could easily emulate a lot of those uh, costumes and, and just looks in general, even if they don't go that route completely with the story. I could see it being a big inspiration for how they bring it to life in a live action film for sure. Yeah. And then going into it, uh, Yamron says, if he were still alive, Gilbert Goffrey would be an amazing voice actor for Link. He's normally a silent protagonist. Wouldn't that be? <laughs> that would be the perfect April Fool's joke yep. in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, I would say if we have that, we have to go with Danny DeVito as Tinkle in the green spandex suit, and um, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a blockbuster. <laughs> oh, dude, instant hit, instant buy yep. uh, for sure. And uh, shout out to Winlord says, "Hi, I've just been watching my Star Citizen vods, and I'm live. Nice, very much. Thanks for joining in, guys. We've got lots to talk about uh, left in today's show, so uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. It's a good time to have kind of a call to action. Be sure to like, subscribe, uh, and uh, and one of the great things that we've been able to uh, clip these things up for you guys. So hopefully y'all are enjoying uh, the uh, <laughs> just the shows and more. Be sure to I'll also in the link in uh, in the description once this vid the vod is done, I'll be sure to have Mark's uh, contact." Uh, his uh, YouTube channel and so much more so you guys can go follow down that rabbit hole and check out the things that he's also doing. He's an excellent content creator. And so I thank you guys so much. Okay, I think it's time. I think we've, uh, we've, 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 you know, we've covered the thoughts. Uh, we've covered what's going on uh, currently in, in gaming. Um, now let's talk about uh, game of the year nominations. Obviously, it was announced uh, yesterday. I saw uh, Twitter just goes off and, and, and does what Twitter does did you were you surprised were you shocked were you happy uh did you think anything got snubbed what do you think um i'm not surprised by anything i mean there it's it's kind of almost predictable at this point i don't starfield wasn't on there was it for game of the year not for game know. of the year it was on there for rpg of the year and i don't think it has a shot at yeah. winning rpg in the year because it's stepping into boulder's gate 3 the thing is is that i'm perfectly fine with starfield not being on the game of the year because the games outside like that resident evil 4 remakes on there and that in and of itself is like okay like is that's more of a conversation as gaming and and gaming culture goes is like is that something we're okay with like i don't want to sit here and dictate that to anybody like yeah. people are like yeah it's a great game you know it's like cool then it definitely you know the people worked on it now it's not like they just like remastered it's not a remaster yeah. it's a remake uh so it's like okay let's you know let's i'm game for having that that debate and discussion um but uh, the thing that I think for me that I was like really shocked by was that Starfield was not on there for music uh, yeah. or, you know, or audio. I thought yeah. uh, I thought the sound design and, and, and more in Starfield was was really great, especially the music. I felt like it really was fantastic. And it missing on that was like, OK, like, huh, I'm it makes me also want to make sure I go check out those other games because you know, being seventh place isn't, isn't bad. Sure. <laughs> I, if I ever am lucky enough to release a video game and it makes it at number seven, which is not listed, you know, in the consideration for any game of the year nomination, I accept. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Starfield's audio is the first thing that caught me whenever I started that game up, just the sound that emerges at the boot up screen. It was captivating. It, it set the tone for the grand fantasy. You're going to go on looking at audio design. Alan Wake 2, Dead Space. Dead Space surprises me. The Dead Space remake is fantastic, but I, I just think if you're going to consider that, Starfield had to be close to it as, as well. And Resident mm -hmm. Evil 4 being on there too. Again, it's it's done well, but 
there is that question, like you said, and I, I know there are a lot of people in the gaming space that are adamant that, hey, remakes, even if they're truly brand new remakes, right? Should they be on there or not? And that's debated every, every year. And mm -hmm. I, I think the answer is it's probably going to stay that way. But it is interesting when it does give up to like snubs to something like a Starfield as well, which again, Dead Space and Resident Evil 4, great remakes, great remakes. They make me appreciate the games more. But yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough one. We're not going to solve it here. Although, if they want to give us the power, I'm I'm happy to do that. We'll, we'll fix it all right here, guys. Yep. And and the internet and everybody will be in consensus. We we've got of course. it. Of course, we've managed it. This video game podcast has solved the problems. Uh, Mysterio says, "Get Mario off of the list." Mm. What do you think? Because. I'm very curious. Yeah, no, I, I would disagree, but I would be curious to hear his opinion. Uh, Super Mario Wonder, I mean, everyone thinks... Nintendo is always up there, right? When they release a new IP, it all, they always have games up there. They, they call it the Nintendo... Not Nintendo Bias, but just... I forget what it's called. But I think that's for a reason, honestly, because they... They know what to do. And Super Mario Brothers Wonder is, I'll say this, the best 2D Mario game I've played since Super Mario World. And I think World mm -hmm. might be one of the most perfectly designed games of all time, yes. too. So yeah. for that, I don't think you you can snub it simply for how important Mario has been to gaming, right? I mean, without Mario Brothers, what, what other franchise would have captivated and, and catapulted gaming in the 80s onward like it has? So... Yeah, so I'm actually perfectly fine that Mario is on the list. And one of the things I've been juggling, you know, as we kind of round out this year is the like, is it going to be Starfield for me? Because when playing through Starfield, I was like, yeah, this is this is my personal game of the year. Like, this is the game that I've like, I'm just like, wow, I really enjoyed this. I have my complaints about like the multiverse fatigue that, you know, but it makes sense within the new game plus. But overall, yeah. the story, I'm like a multiverse to me just makes every choice mean less see there's less impact oh they died in this universe but they're still alive in a million infinity you know universes out there great uh but uh it was then i was like well i still i was saying i held hold a reservation uh for yeah. super mario wonder yeah and when we talk about wonder we talk about the music we talk about the level of animation that they went through and i saw some comparisons to the new super mario brothers get that yeah. crap out of here <laughs> the and i was like i was such a mario fan so obviously biased but i was just over like consuming the new super marios and at the yeah. same time grumbling like why nintendo did you call it the new super mario brothers because it's now 20 years old like you know it's my whole it's <laughs> yeah. i have a whole stand-up bit about like the old testament like what a flex what a what, what a word to just label that. like hey here's your scriptures they're the old scriptures you know yeah. um but <laughs> you gotta hit this new testament man it's the it's anyway um I'm in a mood. The uh, <laughs> but yeah, with uh, with that, like you see those animations, you see the style, and then yes, it automatically starts to make me feel like this is a true sequel to Super Mario World yeah. that is then just beautiful. And so obviously biased because I got the kids, we're playing it a bunch, and that just means like it's a game, especially like I can I can play Starfield around the kids, like I wasn't doing the story stuff, but just the general yeah. gameplay, shooty, alien, you know, monsters and you know, running around planets is like not 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 too horrible. But yeah. Super Mario is like it's on. We're it's oh family game night. We're playing, we're playing Mario. We're all like doing different things, and you can play it multiplayer or you can still play it single player. They actually do it an interesting thing about the with online where you're playing with these ghosts that can help you out. 
And I was just like, and that's completely optional. uh, And it's very, uh, very interesting. And then they have the cast of characters. One thing I would have loved to seen though, is that it's great that Yoshi, uh, I almost said Yoshi P. Uh, It's great that Yoshi is uh, a playable character. It would have still been cool to find him as a rideable mount in the game that then unlocked different kinds of exits. Uh, That's something that I really appreciated about Super Mario World. And what I'm looking uh, to see with Wonder over the course of time is that, is it a game that I keep returning to and just playing through the hardest levels and just trying to find all the different secrets? The same thing, because it's still like, I go back to Super Mario World every five years at least to sit down and and just like, oh, I'm going to go to Star Road and I'm going to unlock all this stuff and all this weird muscle memory that still exists as a 40-year-old gamer. I'm like, all right, yep, got it. I I don't even need those blocks to unlock. I can can use the the cape and and, and do all these things. So it's been uh, it's been fantastic. Yeah. To your point about being able to play the game with anyone and the attention, the detail is, is mind blowing. Just all the small animations from Mario going into a, a, a tube and grabbing his cap to all, to the face of the Goomba. Whenever you're about to jump on him, like he's just terrified. Like he knows he messed up. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a love letter to the franchise and it is such a great direction compared to where new was because it new was, it, it wasn't new anymore. Right. It was wrote. It was, um, it didn't feel like it had the same exploration appeal of the original games, especially world. And I think, I think when they removed the time countdown for, mm-hmm. for wonder, that was such a huge deal to just say, Hey, explore at your own pace. And again, to me, I think, you know, we, we tend to experience the most joy uh, when we do things with other people. And the fact that wonder is a game that not only can you do that when you're online with random people and like actually have weird, genuine interactions, like, Hey, thanks for saving me from that fire. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> But just being able to play with family and friends, like that's that's a special testament to how good the game is. And I, I think that is enough credence to to why it's on the list, too. Um, again, also partial to him being Italian just because, you know, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, it's always funny because the people like look at me and don't realize I'm Italian uh, as well. And okay. it's like, that's also made it fun to be a stand up comedian because it's like, you know, I can be like, like when Cuomo got in trouble, it's like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Like, okay, yeah, he's like he's Italian. It's like that's not an excuse. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, I like it's funny because uh, I married an Irish girl, yep. and uh, and if anybody knows, like the Irish, at least from my experience, it's like they're not really a touchy feely kind of bunch, uh, you know. But it's like uh, with with me and the Italians, it's like yay, <laughs> like embracing and kissing and hugging and stuff like that. So, um, yep, yeah, yep, that's 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 a big story here too. My family's mostly Italian, and then my uncle. Uh, my aunt married an Irish, and so there's a lot of Italians Irish. And yeah, I think the first time my wife came over to my uh, uncle's house, she was surprised because you know it's very normal. But like, hi, nice to meet you, kiss on the cheek, right? Yeah. Um, and there's some people that could be shocking, but I'm like, yeah, that's didn't you grow up just kissing each other on the cheek? Like, just you know, like that's the the kiss of peace. That's a normal historical thing. But yeah, I um, when that Cuomo news broke too, my wife looked at me and she goes, "No, I get it," and you know, but. <laughs> Oh man, uh, crazy times. Now. I'm working on a whole like uh, like bit about that, you know, as I've been cursed by the Louis C.K. You know, like touch, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I stand I st- out with the, I stand out with all the other uh, like uh, blonde wives that married into the family. Uh, mm-hmm. We got the Montabantos and the the Pucciarellis. <laughs> it's like yeah, so it's I got to work on my Italian accent because one of the things people always kind of point out, they're like, you don't sound like you're you have a Texas accent. I go really like. 
you know, I hear it. I like from yeah. time to time, especially if I get tired or drunk, um, yeah. you know, but it's like, all right. Yeah, I guess I have a like, I guess a normal American style accent. And that's one of the things I've been trying to work on with my routine is to get comfortable with uh, doing impressions and voices. Sure. So I, I pulled that bandaid off last night, and did a whole like uh, uh, Harry Carey sketch uh, okay. at, the, at the comedy club. And it, I think it went over really well. So we'll have to see um, yeah. in this case. Yeah. All right. Um, obviously, there's still like so, so much to talk about. Um, I think we're both in agreement. Mario uh, absolutely uh, takes the cake. Yeah. Uh, I think if I, you know, like if I was going to vote, like I'm assuming you'd go for Zelda. Like I, I think you think Zelda I takes it. I did. And once I saw the announcement, I was like, I'm voting for Zelda for everything I can. And again, I, I know that that might not be the popular choice among everyone, but I just, I'm so impressed with what they did with Tears of the Kingdom. Um, even, even again, for those who haven't beaten, and I won't spoil it completely, but one of the best endings in a Zelda game, like one of those, I'm like, like if a game leaves you with like your kind of heart pounding in the chest a little bit, and you're like, wow, that was fantastic. You want to tell people who aren't even gamers? That to me tells you it was it was a good Spider-Man 2018 did that for me as well. The ending of that game. Um, so yeah, I I think it's it's my personal favorite, but when I look at the list, I can I'd probably say I will be surprised if Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't win. And even though that's not a game for me, I can look at it objectively and say, I get it. I get why people are excited about that. Um, so I think there's some tough competition this year for sure. Yeah, I think for me, in a way, you know, and it's not that I'm I'm an anti-Zelda fan because I love Zelda. I grew up with it. I haven't played through Tears of the Kingdom yet okay. because I'm wait. I was like, I'm gonna wait for the Switch 2. That's like honestly, I was like, well, if the Switch 2 can run this game and run it like at 60 yeah. frames a second, like I, that's the experience that I that I want. But my wife, like, she, I might end up buying it for her for Christmas okay. uh, on her Switch. Um, but so I'm sitting here, yeah, like, yep, just gonna try to find some time. However, I do feel like there is a Nintendo bias, especially when it comes to the game awards. And yes, they do execute, but man, I kind of I kind of think that it's like if if Zelda takes it over, you know, a Baldur's Gate 3, it, yeah. it just I think it just, you know, calls them more in my 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 view is that I think then you're gonna see a bigger narrative push of that uh this is a this is a paid for and bought awards. You know, it's not a true reflection of you know, X, Y, or Z. Do you feel like that could be anywhere near uh, the reality of what we would see? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the Game Awards themselves, are, it's it's got to be financed by gaming companies and partners in that industry. So I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if, you know, it's just, yeah, that that is the case. But I know, you know, I, I honestly don't know how the voting completely works. Like if our votes count as much as other people in the industry too. Um, you know, I will say this about Tears of the Kingdom. If they make a sequel to it or another entry in the fran 3D franchise that is just more of that, mm -hmm. um, then I will say, okay, it's hitting its limits on what that, you know, on, in terms of what you can get out of that specific formula and design. But I, I do think, and you know, Breath of the Wild won in 2017, right? So to me, again, I was skeptical with Tears. I was like, how can they do more if it's going to be so similar? But the you know first 10 hours, I was like, oh, I get it. Like this, I, I get it. Like they somehow made Breath of the Wild in ways feel like a a, a demo for what Tears was eventually going to yes. be. Yes. It, yeah. And and so like I'm sure there will be that argument depending on who who wins, right? But at the end of the day, I could see it both ways. And again, I'm Baldur's Gate 3, again, not a game for me, but mm -hmm. I could see why people will vote for that and go that route and say that it's game of the year. And I, and I'm fine with that too. So 
I think and uh, and uh, Sonya says Final Fantasy 16 is awesome, and I'm I'm enjoying playing 16. I haven't finished it, and my hope is that I will be able to do that uh, before December. You know, I'm assuming I'm going to get some more gaming time with the uh, Thanksgiving holiday and and what have you. Um, but I don't know. I don't know technically where I'm at in the story, uh, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't played it yet. So uh, I feel like I'm I'm making decent progress, and I'm looking forward to seeing ultimately how that that game shakes out. But I do say that I was wrong about Final Fantasy 16. I thought uh, going into this year with Yoshi P and the team uh, that I thought Final Fantasy 16 was an absolute game of the year, and it, and it just it, it really isn't. And I think it's uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I think the biggest miss. Because I know a lot of people focus in on the battle system um, and, and uh, being more in action. And it's like, honestly, I have no issue with that. I still want to see the Gambit system return. Yeah. I wanted to see the Gambit system in Final Fantasy 15 because yeah. I think that would be something that would add into the strategic planning uh, sure. of, of, of fights. You're like, okay, I want to... I want you're in my party and I want you to kind of focus in on this because this is, I want to play this character in this way. So that's the, that's one thing that I, I wish and have wished for a while though that it wasn't in it. And then, you know, again, that was a fine design design decision, but sure. the limitation on just putting it on PS five, uh, I think is, is, uh, is really more that it soured the water so much. It made it a whole console thing. Same thing with, you know, these exclusives and that kind of ties back into the, you know, where we kicked the day show off with console, uh, you know, like, yeah. Hey, what's going on with the console sales that they are slowing down. What yeah. does that mean? They're growing, but it's, you know, the, the velocity of which they're growing has definitely slowed. Yeah. Um, the, uh, when it comes to, to 16, just being on PS five, I understand why Yoshi P said he, what, what he, what he said. I understand Sony's paid for that both with man hours to make it work and, yeah. and more, but it, I think that in and of itself is the biggest miss because, it's like, hey, this great. Hey, ma imagine if Endgame came out, and uh, we're gonna say only people on the east and west coast can see it. Everybody in in Central America, it, like it, throughout this like time zone, sure. you're gonna have to wait a year. Like yep. that would be like all of a sudden you, you're gonna get spoiled. It's gonna get ruined for you, and it's just not uh, not right. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I again, I see why. I know why developers choose that route, right? Because it is a time and a money thing. And when you're developing for one console, it's a lot easier to perfect that game yeah. for that one console like kind of related to it Baldur's Gate 3 didn't come out on Series S at first and there was the argument like well the Series S is is holding back this generation and I I kind of you know personally would push back on that because it's it's you know they develop games for multiple consoles for PC all the time because they're developing for different tiers of PCs and I just saw that now that they've got Baldur's Gate 3 working on on Series S they they found something in how they program the game that's going to improve memory utilization by 30 percent across the board yeah. for play so everybody benefits yeah and so that's something that takes time to figure out right and so depending on where square square was internally in terms of getting ready i get why they made that choice but yeah unequivocally it, it hurts it for sure um spider-man 2 as well i mean e even games like tears of the kingdom there's so many things to trade off about how you want to present your game but there's still the idea of you know, is it better for our console and our brand if we keep it here too? And I think Square's a little bit different than some of those other franchises I also just mentioned. Like, I think they benefit. Um, that IP is enjoyed everywhere already, right? On PC, on Xbox, so Nintendo Switch too. So I think they would benefit more for sure by by being more places. So I guess the final uh, form of controversy that we kind of saw after uh, yesterday, Star, uh, Starfield, and I saw Star Flop and Star Failed uh, trending, yeah. which was fun. Uh, but the other one was Hogwarts Legacy. 
And that's a game that came out and just had insane sales. A lot of really good critical reviews. Obviously, controversy surrounding J. Uh, uh, what was like not J.R. Tolan, um, J.K. J.K. Rowling. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, we've just set, been sitting down reading the books for the kids, so it's like nice. I, I've never read the books before. So it's been okay. a fun. It's been a fun treat. Um, but do you feel like uh, with Hogwarts, uh, like just it's the any kind of controversy surrounding the game is one of the reasons why it's not on any category it's not it's not even you know like there's other games there you're like this isn't even from an indie studio and it's indie game like nominated for any game like yeah what do you think yeah it's it's interesting right um it i remember it was the talk of early 2023 my brother-in-law said people are saying it might be one of the best games of all time i personally didn't play it it's the first game my wife ever played because she just read the books and loved it listened to mm. the books um and she was enjoying it, but she stopped. And I haven't played it yet either, so I can't really speak to it. Um, when I look at these other games, I, I guess I can see the argument both ways. Uh, in terms of the controversy, I mean, that could definitely be a factor too, but it didn't pop off at me as well, just because honestly, with how good gaming has been in 2023, it personally wasn't a high one for me as well, right? Like there have been so many other games mm -hmm. I haven't made time for it, right? You know, yeah. so it's like there's just been so many other games that I that I'm drawn into. Yeah. Um, but I do. I decided I did purchase it, I, and I haven't. Uh, but I just like <laughs> I just have I have an addiction, and this yep. is this is what we call an intervention. I get it. Um, my name is so Brian. Yeah, my name is Brian. Uh, I uh, I spend money on games that I don't have time to play. Uh, you know, please <laughs> keep me in your prayers. The uh, so like that's where it's like, but. From what I've what I've seen, uh, people have said it, and so actually, I actually echo what you're saying. Is that this was an incredible year for video games? Like it's yeah. like no matter what, games got snubbed, and that's when it comes down to it. Everybody has a favorite Pokemon, yep. and whenever Nintendo's like, "Yep, not all the Pokemon are going to be in it," somebody's getting snubbed because there is a there is a list, a number that is that yeah. is limited. And uh, I do think though that from a sales perspective, like I don't know. I'm just like they they won because like they made insane um, amounts of money. I know that that means that they'll see there'll be future Hogwarts games, and if the team can continue to deliver on that, because the game director said, you know, basically about the controversy is like, I just got to make a good game. Like yeah. I if I have if I make a good game and people have fun playing with it, like that's that's really all the gamers really want at the end of the yeah. day, and all the rest of it just is online stuff for you know online attention. So that's just yeah. going to be how it goes. Yeah, the internet's always full of the most reasonable discourse for sure. So, yeah. Uh, the most calm and, and genius of minds float to the top of the algorithm. All the time. Yeah, I mean, talking about 2023 in terms of gaming and being one of the best years, I've been trying to keep up with Metacritic data from 96 to this year in terms of games that are 90 or above. And based on my most recent update, now I could be missing some things, it currently stands tied for six in terms of the six in sixth place in terms of most games with a 90 or above with 28 total right now and that yeah. does include historically if a game like red dead released on multiple consoles and got 90s on multiple consoles too but that's saying between you know since i was a kid till now this is possibly the sixth best year in gaming so again keeping that in mind i get why there maybe are some snubs that are surprising 
So now, Chili says in chat, and this is actually something we've seen in movies when it comes to, you know, the movie of the year, the Oscars nominations. Chili says, I will say, uh, if you want a shot at game of the year, never release in, uh, in Q1 or Q2. Uh, the newest games will always have the highest chance of being voted because it's the newest games releases. Yep. And that's the same thing that Hollywood does. Like they, they wait for all their Oscar contenders for a specific season because if you release a, a movie earlier on, it's easy. It's kind of like, oh, what have you done for me lately? Yep. Uh, and I don't. I totally agree with that. Like, and I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see games shift their schedules around in, in a way to try and target like re- uh, award season. We've seen. Yeah. I thought this happened even with Jedi, the first uh, Jedi Survivor. Like yeah. it was like everybody was really like loving it but it yeah. came out like a week or two because it ended up having a delay or something yeah it came out after the nomination period to be considered for that year and then it was just easily forgotten in the yep. next year so like there clearly is you know a human element to this <laughs> to this process yeah I, again i don't know if it's solely based on you know we got a planet right for game awards because I, I think at the end of the day a company's like yeah we got a game award that's awesome we kill mo- most about sales mm-hmm. i think realistically post holiday season there's a little bit of a chance that you're going to get less games purchased right you, you bought a lot of stuff already so i i think they probably focus on best times to release games in terms of you know highest optimal sales as well and there, there just might be some overlap with that recency bias you're right because like Again, my first look at this yesterday, I wasn't like, where's Harry Potter? I haven't thought about that game in months. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so. Very neat, very neat. All right, so um, like outside of, we've talked about like Mario, Starfield, uh, the nominations, uh, obviously you're you're pulling for Zelda. I would love to see Mario take it because I'm still a little bit bitter about how Zelda beat out Mario Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I can't, I, I, I don't, like, I think given time, we can clearly see that was a mistake. I don't know, do you agree or disagree? I'm again, I'm such a Zelda fan that I think it's one of those it's it's it sucks that they came out in the both year, but they're both fantastic games. And if you're going to crown one, I'm not upset that it's Breath of the Wild personally. But again, if you want to say should have been Odyssey, I can hear that out, too. Um, but again, 2017, great year for gaming. Like, again, yeah. those the switch, oh, yeah. the switch's library in general. If this is the last year and that was the first year, think about just the stellar stellar end caps they're having to this console generation. So um but yeah i mean that again i'm zelda i i i am a big fan so i'd love to hear from chat though like on that because that's one of the things that comes up when we were t- i was talking with david jaffe about this kind of same concept in fact him and i are going to collab uh as a special kind of thing this coming thursday so if you guys nice. are you know want to talk we'll talk about more game of the words uh etc but we talk about like historically like when you look back like here's the game of the year but then once like five years have passed, sometimes that that value can change. And you're like, well, yeah, that was what I was excited about because of hype. But then realistically, I look back and I'm like, oh, I'm, we're all still playing this one game. We're all still, you know, like this in and of itself, you know, had way more legs. And that's something that can only be judged with time. And that's where I come up with Odyssey. I was like, I thought it should have won. But now I'm like, it definitely was snubbed by that, by that, uh, especially with Tears of the Kingdom, where people are like, yeah. oh, that the first one was like Breath of the Wild was like a demo for Tears of the Kingdom. It was like the training wheels. And then and then uh, Tears of the Kingdom like just uh, launches it off from there, which does make me think that if there was going to be a winner, it would be Tears of the Kingdom over Mario Wonder uh, because of what uh, what Tears is doing. 
But yeah. my goodness, I, I think, you know, you and me will have to have our Mario and Zelda fight like every five years whenever sure. they release one of those games. I'm fine um, with that. Yeah, I'm fine. with Either way, an Italian might win and I'm OK. So, yes, yes. In, in every situation, an Italian is victorious. And uh, yeah, and especially if that Italian's named Mario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I am Prout says, do uh, game rewards wins translate into sales like it does within Hollywood? I mean, they put it on the product, right? They put it on the product packaging if they do a new SKU. Um, and that probably matters a lot to parents maybe looking for games for kids more than it does for you or I or other gamers out there who are just connected to the scene. But it probably gives it a little bit of a buffer bump, I would say. I don't know how huge it is, but, you know, some games you might not have heard of. Like Dave the Diver, it's been on my radar for a bit. But seeing that it's nominated for a lot of awards, I'm like, maybe I should try that out on my Switch, you know, so... That's really good. That's really good. Um, and uh, one of the things that was callback from earlier, like I do think it actually translates into sales. Yeah. Um, and so that's where, cause they can slap game of the year on, on the label and then you can, you know, it gets bundled. And so I think having yeah. those kind of prestiges does help. I don't know if there's any kind of tracking number uh, or metric behind it. Uh, I don't know if it also would help something like Zelda sell more, right? Like I think there is a, a diminishing return. So something like an indie game or a game that maybe you're like, wasn't on your radar that could help push it over the edge for you. But yeah. for something you're like, I already bought Zelda. Like it doesn't sell. I don't go out and buy another copy of Zelda where it's like a movie. You could be like, Oh yeah, I, I watched that. Oh, I'm going to watch that again. You yeah. know, like I could see how that could have a repeated, like, you know, financial, like, you know, <laughs> re up. What do you think? Yeah, no, that that makes sense. There's there's only so much you can squeeze when you have a huge IP like a like a Tears of the Kingdom or a Mario Brothers versus again some up and comer company that you might not have heard of, but might be the real true truly innovative release out there as well. So, to your to your point about going like it's an interesting question you bring up about going back to like what are the games we still play? I think about Starfield with that because Starfield yep. Starfield's going to keep getting worked on. It's going to keep yep. getting patches. There's going to yep. be more and more mods. Starfield's I still probably play Starfield. Like, yeah, I was in here. I, I was like just booting it up a little bit uh, this week. Going to play some more this week. Uh, very like right now, it's more in a casual perspective because I was moving forward on, uh, you know, on, on like actually like I want to finish the story. Now that that has been done, I'm like, yes, like this is great. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep going back to it. In fact, they got new updates rolling out. I almost installed the beta to test out the DLSS updates. And I was like, okay. oh, I'll wait, you know, but it's like, yeah. And then there's dlc and and mods and it's like this is like one of those games where it's like yeah people are like oh trying to meme on it like game of the generation it's like i will be surprised and i will admit that i'm wrong if this ends up paying and out but if we're still playing starfield in five years yeah. like yes that is exactly what we mean by this this is a game yeah. that just continues on yeah. um but yeah I'd be surprised too, because I think that's just the norm for Bethesda games, right? Bethesda games have that long attraction to them. Yeah. So, and uh, thank you so much, Chili, for the two dollars uh, super chat. Says if you're new here, maybe hit that subscribe button and like. Uh, so appreciate that uh, the support here on the channel, and also just kind of a callback earlier where I was uh, drawing a blank. Wildstar okay. is the name of that MMO that the, they're they're uh, like it's going. You know, people are working on it in the private server capacity. Uh, same thing with uh, you know. Um, Man, drawn blanks. <laughs> There's another MMO that I that I played, uh, uh, Reckoning, uh, Warhammer yeah. Online. There it is. I, okay. I at least got that one. Um, so thank you so much for the uh, support, Chile, and thank you guys so much uh, for being here. Uh, there is any like this is pretty much the we we got one more minute left for the scheduled show before like I know I go back to work, you go back to work, 
That's what we do. <laughs> we like talking about games and we like providing for our families. We're men. Yep. <laughs> um, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so you can find me over on YouTube and Twitch and TikTok at Joyful's Arcade. I know you said you'll post a link below. Uh, I mentioned this the last time I was on as well. I'm also a co-founder and producer over at Devour Games as well. So if you follow my profiles, you'll find a link to that as well. We've been making games. Well, made a game a few years ago, working on games, contracted out to do other games as well. And one exciting thing, I don't know if I've told you this yet, Brian, I've been helping, I've been been lucky to work with some very talented and connected people in the esports world. And a few months ago, probably about six now, a lot of them got together and invited me in that, uh, hey, we, we feel like there's a gap in the collegiate uh, esports e world, specifically with fighting games. And so we started a new company called CFGC, Collegiate Fighting Game Conference. And we had our first beta tournament start last night uh, with over 50 universities and 80 plus players doing Street Fighter Online. So mm -hmm. we're hoping it's got some momentum. And at one of my many involvements in the gaming world as well. So it's cool to see uh, that aspect of gaming uh, esports, I, I follow it. I followed it adjacently beforehand, but now that I'm getting more involved, you can see such passionate ways gamers, you know, going back to, are you still playing this game? Street Fighter Six is going to be played for years and years and years, right? So um, that's up and coming. If there are any esports fans out there, any college folks out there that like to play fighting games, uh, I'll have that on my bio as well to see, you know, you could enter and participate. Sweet, dude, I need to check that out. I need to get back, back into the fighting scene because that's like fighting games was and RPGs was like all I consumed. Like I was really big into that. Soul Calibur uh, and oh. like dominated my college year. Soul Calibur two and three and fantastic games, fantastic yeah. games. And so yeah, I've been been dying. I need to I need to spend more time with Street Fighter six because that's some of the, one of the ones that is just like yep. Then and that came out just like at this time of Diablo and Final Fantasy sixteen and again you know buying games that I don't have time to play. We'll have to get I, that resolved. I, I think it's still on my shelf in wrapper. There we go. Well, yep. it's an intervention for both of us. Uh, yep. As a final uh, kind of subject, though, um, I thought this was a really good question. We didn't talk about it. 2024, most anticipated games. Prut wants to know. What do you think? Gosh, that's a great question. I don't... I, my brain's blank right now on anything coming out on 2024, realistically. I, I'm sure I have some. One game I'm still anticipating it's supposed to come out this year, but it might not, is Warhammer Space Marine 2. That's yeah. a game that just looks awesome. Um, but in terms of 2024, yeah, I'm, I'm just drawing a blank, blank right now. What about you? So I think when I start looking at it, like the, the two biggest games on the radar that shifted out of 2023 are Blue Protocol and Throne of Liberty. Uh, as especially can uh, like again, I just kind of live into the. I love the multiplayer, you know, online MMOs uh, that just kind of keep drawing me back in. Star, you know, Star Citizen. I don't think it's coming out in 2024, but I definitely am like, yeah, that's gonna be another game that I spend uh, at least, you know, uh, you know, uh, at least a lot of time uh, playing and experiencing and learning and uh, and kind of then following because all of a sudden it's like, dude, it, it got its hook hooks in me good. But I think it's hard for me to pick between both of those. I've played uh, Blue Protocol. I haven't yet played Throne of Liberty. Uh, and so I'm very kind of curious to see how the reception of it is. How do I enjoy playing it? The fact that it is uh, controller support uh, base in the base games uh, natively makes it a lot easier. Crossplay. Cr uh, I, I know Blue Protocol, they're talking about crossplay, cross save, and it's launching okay. on consoles. I've heard some kind of things where it's like, it's for Throne of Liberty. It might be that consoles have their own ecosystem. And I think that could ultimately hurt that uh, game in the long run if that ends up being true. Uh, and then I start looking out over the rest of the year. There's a, like, I think, I don't know if it was Terraborn, but there was a couple of things that Microsoft announced that's kind of a part of, yeah. you know, that isn't like your big, big AAA, but I thought they did a really good job with Hi Fi Rush. 
And yes. I'd like to see kind of, you know, and I think that is a perfect thing for Game Pass. So I'm going to be interested in checking out some of those, uh, some of those other games that they've, they've got uh, on, you know, on the horizon, which is just really cool. Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, I still need to check out. I've wanted to, again, it's just it's just finding time. And I feel like it's going to be one of those games I dive into and finish quickly because it seems to be a pretty compact game. Mm -hmm. I just Googled it, and I forgot that we have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming out next year, Yeah, which is huge. Um, Star Wars Outlaws, which looks looks interesting. My, I'll say this. Here's my official pick right now that I'm looking forward to most. Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. It's a Metroidvania game, which I love. Um, it looked... It, looked really well done so that's that's going to be out january i think too so that's that's real soon i can that's mm -hmm. my most anticipated game see and for me like that all depends on if i finish final fantasy 7 remake which i have to start final fantasy 7 remake to finish yeah. it before i jump into rebirth so uh that is you know th there, there's a dependency here i think of that from a software de <laughs> like oh we got a dependency i gotta get this knocked out before i can even consider so i've avoided all the uh, seven uh, rebirth stuff and the because i oh a trailer i was like oh avoid, shield my eyes um you know and go from there but yeah dude it's gonna be i think a really excellent uh excellent year um and at this point like i think uh i think we gotta we gotta get back to the to the grind um yep. thank you guys so much for taking some time uh to spend with us during the day uh, again uh go uh, if you're watching this as a vod sound off in the comments as well that's a great way of supporting these and uh check out the links uh i'll get them added and uh you can go check out uh, mark's content on on the internet as well but without any further <laughs> ado i'm gonna let you guys have a wonderful day and hopefully we'll see you guys in the next video podcast and or live stream